We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. What's up, Bears fans, and welcome to another episode of Picks for Polls presented by the Bear Report, a Chicago Bears draft podcast here, also presented by Blue Wire Pods. My name, of course, is Andrew Freeman, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. We record this episode on Wednesday, December 21st, uh, following the Bears' loss to the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. Uh, they took a loss 25-20 to at home, and right around the corner here, said we have the holidays coming up, so it's a very... Um, you know, the, even though the Bears have been on a losing streak and, you know, the season is starting to come to a close, they think it's a really exciting time for a lot of people for a variety of different reasons. And before we start today, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing well. You're right. You got three games left in the Bears season, so it's coming to a close quickly. But I also think that there's a lot of positives and negatives to kind of touch on. And, you know, when we do our end of season report cards and reviews, things like that, I mean, it's crazy because the Bears are a team, right? That's three and eleven. They've pretty much locked up the second overall pick at this point. They just have to lose out. But the reality of it, I think, is that they're not your typical three and eleven team. And interestingly enough, there's a lot of narratives going around on Chicago sports radio talking about around the NFL. People don't view the Bears as a three and eleven team. So there's a lot of good going on but also a lot of bad yeah absolutely i mean we saw the mix of that in this latest game against the eagles where you saw some of the flashes of what this team could be i mean justin fields um you know he had some dynamic plays once again both with his with his arm and with his feet like he had that incredible play where he escaped the sack from hassan reddick i think it was and nearly scrambled for a touchdown that was the highlight from this game um in terms of what he did uh, we also saw some positives from the defense in this game, which I think we're going to be touching on quite a bit today. Um, and just talking about this secondary, because, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about draft needs for the Bears. And, you know, 
the secondary is definitely going to be something that's going to be brought up as well as, you know, do the bears address that? So that's going to be on the topic uh, for us today as well. And um, with everything going down the way it did this past weekend, the bears, uh, they've secured the number two pick um, in the NFL draft for now with three weeks left in the season. So, uh, the Bears are picking second in the current draft order, which is pretty important uh, for this podcast uh, in that discussion as we focus more so on the draft rather than our counterparts at the Bear Report, uh, Zach and Aaron, who focus more on the week-to-week, day-to-day stuff with the team. Um, so to start off this podcast, let's start with some of the positives from this latest game and what that means long-term with the defense. I thought the defense, you know, they they played a solid game in this one against the Eagles. The Eagles coming in. Uh, you know, they're one of the best offenses in the NFL. And, you know, they have an elite offensive line. They got they have some elite playmakers. When you look at A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, I mean, those are two number one uh, caliber wide receivers right there for Jalen Hurts to play to. And Jalen Hurts, he's been playing at an MVP caliber level throughout the season. And the Bears certainly started off strong on defense. They got two interceptions on Jalen Hurts. Um, one of them was just a really poor decision by Hurts. Um, I thought it was just a lazy decision on that first drive. And then the second one, you know, it seems like there's a little bit of a miscommunication on the Eagles' part for that second interception that DeAndre Houston Carson had. But certainly a lot of positives from the way this defense played. I thought they played tough. You know, they were able to stop the run pretty effectively for the most part. Um, they, they had a little bit more pressure than usual, it seemed like. And that's, that's really impressive considering the offensive line they were going against. So uh, let's start with the defense as a whole. You said, what were your kind of your general takeaways from this defense all things considered because, you know, they had a tough task. And for the most part, I thought they held up pretty well against this Eagles offense. Yeah, I would say this. When you look at the defense, this was without a doubt one of their best showings of the season. And why? Because what we've seen this year, right, especially after the trade of Roquan Smith, is the defense has just been searching for some sort of identity. And, you know, we've talked extensively about how strongly Jack Sanborn's come on over the last couple games, who's now going to have an ankle injury and his rookie season early. I think really the secondaries held up very well in this game, much better than I think a lot of people expected, by the way. And then ultimately you look at it, right? Like the defense didn't really make, you could argue, any major mistakes. Now, the one major touchdown run by Jalen Hurts, like, okay, that was a big mistake. But other than that, the Bears managed to play a pretty solid game. And quite frankly, a lot of people, including myself, thought they were going to get absolutely steamrolled, which was not the case whatsoever. The Bears kind of managed to hold their fork down. And what no one wants to talk about is this, is, it's a theme throughout the Bears season, right? In terms of they're a roster that doesn't have a lot of talent. The Bears are doing a lot of identity searching. But through all of this, what's been so consistent is just how well coached they've been. Sunday's loss to the Eagles was an example of how really good coaching can make average or below average and even mediocre talent at the NFL level look pretty serviceable now is this going to be the Bears game plan for the rest of the Matt Eberflus era no you certainly expect the defense to keep improving especially with a major offseason coming up but this was one of those games that you could legitimately look at and say hey it was a turning point in the season as late as it was in the season and there's a lot to like from this tape that you're going to use to build the defense moving forward yeah I mean they 
It certainly played above the talent level, I thought, for this one. For the most part, like certainly the talent started to shine through near the end of this game as uh, the Eagles started to wear them down a little bit and Jalen Hurts started to get a little bit more comfortable and they made some plays. But, you know, ultimately, like, there are a couple of rough spots for this defense, like the uh, the two-minute uh, situation where Jalen Hurts basically called it his own number on a quarterback draw um, just walked into the end zone. That's a situation where that's just inexcusable from – this defense, you know, they, they were running a zero blitz and they did no one cover in the middle of the field to, you know, protect against a mobile quarterback like Jalen Hurts. Like decisions, decisions like that from a play calling standpoint, you know, don't really make a ton of sense to me. Didn't, didn't make a ton of sense in the moment. And, you know, I was I was at the game um, covering the game um, for this one. And I can, I can tell you, like a lot of the reaction in the press box at that time was just like, OK, like what what, what was the plan on that one? Uh, just really head scratching, but you know there were also you know a lot of plays that were made as well. I mean, you look at the uh, you know the, the secondary in general just played a really strong game. I felt like Jalen Johnson had a really tough battle with AJ Brown, and he held up pretty well. He made um, his fair share of plays. Now AJ Brown did did get the better of him late in the game when he had that big catch down the sideline and catch and run um, to get the Eagles uh, in scoring position um, late in the fourth quarter. Like that was a huge. That was pretty much the, the the play that sealed the deal for the Eagles winning the game in that, in that, in that sense. And, um, you know, but Jalen Johnson held his own, I felt like for the most part, and that's going to be an interesting discussion with Jalen Johnson is, you know, what's his long-term future. Cause he's up for an extension his next upcoming off season. And I think more performances like this, where he holds his own against number one, like truly number one, like elite wide receiver talents, like AJ Brown is it's, it's definitely gonna do a lot for, um, his stats within the organization. We saw Kyle Gordon make some plays in this one. He got, you know, an interception, that first interception of the game and the first drive that the Eagles had, um, you know, it was certainly a nice play by the rookie, you know, ba- kind of baiting Jalen Hurts into making that throw and making that poor decision. Um, he also had a fumble recovery in this one. He made a couple of other plays in coverage that looked pretty nice. Like, you know, Gordon, that was his first game back from the concussion. And, you know, he certainly looked comfortable out there. And it was nice to see the rookie make some plays. You know, we got Jaquan Brisker out there making some plays. Uh, you know, Jack Sanborn, unfortunately, went down with an injury. But before he went down with an injury, he made a couple of nice splash splash play moments. So um, you're starting to see some of the younger players on this defense start to put it together a little bit. Now, it should be warranted and said that the Bears are still, when you look at all the metrics, they're still one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Like EPA per, per play, I think, has them as the worst defense now, which – is impressive in a, in a negative sense, considering that the Lions were forever this season the worst defense by a mile, and the Bears somehow caught up to them and surpassed them as the worst defense from an EPA per play standpoint. So that's not you know quite the, the best thing in the world, but you know they they played. I, I think over the last two weeks, especially against you know, go back to that Packers game, you know I think they have overachieved to an, to uh, an extent and. Um, you know, like you said, some of that has to do to the coaching. You know, again, I still I'm not like 100% sold in this coaching staff, but I know that Matt Eberflus and his background from the Colts, you know, he's going to maximize what he has on the defensive side of the ball. And you know, I've never had any questions about that when it comes to this hire. Um, you're starting to see guys like an undrafted free agent like Jalen Jones make some plays out there. So um, there are some positives, and that kind of leads into like talking about this secondary long term. So let's get into that because. This secondary and how it works together long-term, you know, it's going to be interesting because they have, you know, some building blocks here. Obviously they drafted Brisker and Gordon in the second round of this past draft. I mean, you'd expect those guys to be here long-term as, um, 
potential starters for you. Risker's already solidified himself as a solid starter. Gordon's, you know, had some rough, he's had a rough rookie year, but he's made some plays and certainly flashed some talent at least. So he's going to get another year, at least kind of prove that he's a guy that they can build around here. Um, but the rest of the secondary is interesting because the rest of it is not guys that this organization has brought in, drafted, or or signed here. So, you know, Eddie Jackson, who's out for the year with an injury, you know, his his status long-term is kind of up in question. Um, Jalen Johnson, we've already talked about. And, you know, at the other cornerback spot, like Kimville Vildor, you know, he, I don't, I wouldn't consider him to be a long-term fit. So, you know, but, but, you know, just looking at this on paper here, there is some exciting talent here for the Bears secondary to kind of build around here, which bodes well for this defense's future once they can figure out the front seven a little bit. Support for the Picks for Pulls podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Fellas, if you're like me, finding the right tools to keep your family jewels fresh and clean can be a struggle. Below-the-waist grooming can be a difficult task, one that I have had my troubles with on many occasions myself. Well, if you're still looking for the right products to ensure a more safe, easy, and effective grooming process for your nether regions, Manscaped is the best fit for you. Their products are precision-engineered tools, for your family jewels and their latest performance package 4.0 provides the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. By using the code Bear Report, you can get 20% off and free worldwide shipping to join 7 million men around the world who trust Manscaped. Inside the performance package 4.0, you'll receive the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver ball toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all of your goodies. First off, the Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is the future of grooming and for my money, the best ball trimmer around. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 4000K LED spotlight you need for a more precise shave. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor as well. I've used the Lawnmower 4.0 many times, and guys, shaving downstairs has never been easier. If you thought that was good, but want to take your grooming game even further to the next level, the Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I say this, fellas. Your balls will thank you, and that special someone in your life will love it as well. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself, so go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BEARREPORT. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BEARREPORT at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code BEARREPORT. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. You're right. It's, look, the Bears secondary, right? I think we went into the season knowing it had the possibility to be a strength and it indeed has proven to be a strength. There's a lot that goes into this. You have Gordon and Brisker who, by the way, I think next year at this time, 
we should be talking about Briscoe as one of the best young defenders in football. I know that certainly seems like a lot of noteworthy praise for a guy who hasn't even played a full season, but hey, if you've seen the way the Bears use Shaquan Brisker, it's clear that he makes the defense as well as the back end just so much more expendable than it already is. You've got a couple of vets in Jalen Johnson and Eddie Jackson. You mentioned earlier the potential contract extension for Jalen Johnson. Some people are going to say don't even throw the bag at Jalen Johnson. He doesn't really fit what this regime wants in terms of culture building. But at the end of the day, Jalen has consistently proven that he is able to hold his own against some of the better receivers in the NFL. Now, is he the type of player you throw top five cornerback money at? No, but he is the type of player you look into extending. And why? Because you can't really replace, or I should take a step back. It's hard to sit here and justify replacing Jalen Johnson if there's not a significant upgrade that's out there on the market, right? I mean, people, I think, really tend to forget. Like, he, his first two years in the NFL, he pretty much was under Chuck Pagano and then Sean Desai. And the reality of it is when you have two different defensive coordinators, like, yeah, you're running the same system, but there's going to be different caveats to the system and then on top of that you look at the Bears secondary then you know he was really forced to do a lot more at the cornerback position than most people were willing to admit and then you look at kind of the way the defense was decimated by injuries all kind of hampered and impacted his development with that said the shoulder injuries that he's had over the last couple years and the kind of nagging injuries he's come down with this year like the oblique and the hip those are concerns as to why you may not want to invest in a second contract for Jalen Johnson but I think it goes without saying that even when he's playing through pain he is still able to go ahead and get the job done now realistically right a contract for him could possibly include something which is right there in the like eight to $11 million a year range. Well, I think Johnson's probably going to have a much larger market than that. He's certainly going to seek out a larger market. You know, I'm going to be doing a piece on Jalen Johnson's contract extension value um, in the next coming weeks here. I'm going to be really touching on a lot of the guys from that 2020 draft class because they are coming up for long-term extension this offseason. I think, you know, Johnson, he kind of, you know, the thing with Johnson is, He's proven a lot of good things that he has a quality corner in the NFL. I'm not sure if he's a true number one corner. He's kind of at that borderline, whether he's a number one or number two guy um, in terms of building out a secondary. Um, but he is a quality corner in the NFL. He's a legitimate starter. He's a guy that can go up against really good wide receivers and hold his own to an extent. He's not necessarily a shutdown corner, but he's still a damn good player. And he's a really tough matchup because he's bigger. He's a little bit more physical and press. Um, he's, he's got some, you know, nice length to him so he can, you know, get a lot of pass deflections and tight coverage where, you know, it's harder for quarterbacks to kind of fit those tight window passes, you know, when he's in coverage into the wide receivers because he's just he just has that ability to to make plays in those close quarter situations there. Um so you know Johnson he's probably not gonna be a guy that's gonna be getting, you know, top cornerback money like he's not getting like 18 17 20 million dollars per year he's probably more in that 14 to 15 million range which i think is pretty good value and if you extend him early um you can actually absorb some of that cap hit onto next year when you're not paying him anything on his rookie deal so i mean that, that's some you know next next year problems in terms of like cap configuration and you know it's kind of tough to explain um on a podcast format um so i mean 
for future reference to all of our listeners, make sure to check out my article on Jalen Johnson's contract situation when that eventually comes out in the next few weeks. Um, but, you know, I think he has proven to be, I think, a long-term piece. And, you know, this whole this entire thing goes into kind of how do you build a roster here long-term um, for this team. And, you know, we talk about how important the defensive line and a good pass rush is on defense, you know, and how it's important for the Bears to establish – you know, getting an offensive line and weapons for Justin Fields on offense. But, you know, outside of those three spots, we look at the pass rush, wide receivers, offensive line. The next most important position is that cornerback position um, because, you know, you can never have too many quality corners in the NFL. And so when you have a guy like Jalen Johnson and you're not really paying anybody else in that secondary right now, like Jalen, like Eddie Jackson's the only other guy getting paid in that secondary right now. So you can afford, I think, to, extend a guy like Jalen Johnson, even if it's a little bit of an overpay um, in the meantime. But, you know, I, I still think you can get him on a pretty team-friendly deal and have it work out for you long-term because, you know, Kyler Gordon, he's on a rookie contract for three more years. Brisker's on a rookie contract for three more years. They're going to have to figure out that other cornerback spot because I think they want Gordon in the slot or kind of playing that, kind of that hybrid role where he's, you know, an outside corner in base and then goes to nickel in uh, – obviously in nickel situations um, against 11 personnel, but you know, you still need a third corner there long-term. And I don't know if they're going to do that in terms of the draft or um, in free agency, but I, I think locking down Jalen Johnson long-term has got to be a priority for this front office this offseason because he's a good fit from a, a scheme standpoint. Like he has the length to disrupt wide receivers at the line of scrimmage. He's a good zone corner. Um, he tackles decently well um, for the most part. You know, again, you know, especially in this system where they are going to allow a lot of completions underneath. It's kind of a zone-heavy system. You need corners that aren't afraid to tackle. And Jalen Johnson, I wouldn't say that he's a guy that's afraid to tackle. Um, and I also think that Iberflus does a good job of hiding the few weaknesses that Jalen Johnson does have. So in, in many ways, like, I think he's a good fit for what they want. And I would just like to see them, you know, get a long-term deal done with done with him just because I think you want to lock down that that cornerback spot um, but outside of him I mean we talked about it before like Gordon and Brisker you know I think Brisker especially you talked about him maybe being one of the better young players in the NFL on defense I wouldn't go that far I think he's one of the better young safeties in the NFL I, th- I think that's definitely a, um that's definitely the case for sure you know he still has a lot to prove in terms of you know being like an all pro talent and whatnot but he's he's certainly proven that he's He's a, he's a dude. He's a starter in this league for the long term here. He's a, he's a stud playmaker, I think, for this defense and what they want. You know, Gordon has a little bit more, been a little bit more up and down. And I was glad to see him had the performance he had on Sunday because, you know, we just haven't seen him really put it all together. And it seemed like, you know, this past game against the Eagles, he really went out there and we kind of saw some growth from him. And that's, that's something he talked about after the game. Um, I got to speak with him or, you know, be there with, uh, to, kind of see him speak after the game in the locker room. He kind of talked about that, how, you know, he's grown a lot this year. He's made a lot of mistakes, but he's kind of used those mistakes to kind of help his development a little bit. Um, and I think last this last game against the Eagles was a good step in the right direction for Gordon in terms of being the quarterback that the Bears want him to be long-term. Yeah, and I think so many people tend to forget about Kyler it- if you go back and you look at his RAS scores, which is one of the higher ones in this draft class, 
there are two things to understand. Number one, his relative athletic scores off the charts. He's a crazy good athlete, as is the case with Jaquan Brisker as well. But, you know, we're looking at two guys who quite frankly slipped into round two when they probably should have been round one. Now, why didn't they go round one? Because at the back half of round one, there was kind of that major run on wide receivers. So the Bears have very much, I think, two incredibly talented players who are only going to go ahead and get better from here on out in terms of the overall secondary you know going into next year and I think this has been my this has been my motto the entire year for the Bears when people talk about the whole concept of roster building is they don't create another hole just because you feel like another hole needs to be created. What I mean by that is don't move on from a player like Eddie Jackson just because an extra 13 or $14 million sounds convenient in the context of cap space because the Bears already have 116-something million going into next year. But the reality of it comes down to this is that Eddie's proven this year he can play at a high level. And even though his season ended early due to the foot injury, there's still enough justification to bring him back for next year because it goes back to what I just said a moment ago. Why would you create another need when you've got so many other important needs on the roster? In terms of cornerback two, I'll be honest, that probably is not going to be Kendall Vildor moving forward. It should not be Kendall Vildor moving forward. The Bears are in a situation where they've kind of seen three years of Kendall Vildor at this point and you know, there there comes a certain point, right, where there's a certain faction of fans on social media who are Kendall Vildor enthusiasts. Now, I'm not attacking any of those people, but at the end of the day, you have to be objective enough to realize that you have to put your foot down when it comes to a guy like Kendall Vildor. You either love him for what he does or you absolutely hate him, and then you have to draw the line in between and say there's plays he has where he's great, plays he has where he should not be on the field. And so the reality is that for this regime, I think they're going to go ahead and look for another cornerback this offseason. It doesn't make sense to go ahead and utilize a high draft pick on a cornerback, whether it is someone in the second round, just because you've got bigger needs, but even if they did go out in free agency, because there's going to be players that are cut and waived over the next couple months. If you do go out in free agency and you find a cheap veteran that can at least be a stopgap for a year, that bodes well into your roster philosophy of low risk, high reward type players and maximizing value. But then also number two, it allows you to have someone who's kind of a voice there for some of these younger cornerbacks. Sports betting continues to take over the sports world, and with fall right around the corner, there's going to be action from every major league sports league across the country on our own TVs. If you're like me, you're glued to the couch watching as many games as you can. Our friends at Oz Trader have got you covered with all the odds for each major sports book from around the web, all in one place just for you. As an added bonus, Odds Trader even compares the sign-up codes and promos so you get the best deal possible. When you're trying to find the best book, it's always best to have the best sign-up codes and promotions. Sometimes those even come with boosts, even additional money deposits. The app gives you a complete rundown on any game, including statistics, injuries, key game stats, game day weather, keeping you, the fan, as informed as possible. And sometimes if you're like us, 
You've got multiple bets going at once. Odd Trader will keep track of them all in one place for you. So what we want you guys to do is this. Head over to oddtrader.com slash bluewire. Once again, that's oddtrader.com slash bluewire, the number one website for all your game day bets. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think getting another veteran here would be a positive. Like I, I've looked at, you know, some of the free agents. Like it's not a great free agent class for free agency um, next offseason, but I think Rakia Sin is probably a, a guy I'm intrigued a little bit by. Um, he played under Eberflus in Indianapolis. He was traded to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders this year, and he's played pretty well there for the most part, even though the Raiders' defense as a whole isn't very great. But I just think that, you know, getting another guy to fill that third cornerback spot would be just a really a valuable thing for the secondary. And if they can get solid play from three different quarterbacks, and then you have guys like Kim DeVildor, Jalen Jones – um, and maybe they draft another guy on day three or something, a guy to bring in as a kind of like an athletic project to kind of develop. Um, that's a nice looking quarterback room. I think if you get that second year improvement and that second year jump from Kyler Gordon, that I think we're hoping to get from him. Like it, it remains to be seen. Like, I think we're definitely going to get a jump from uh, Jaquan Brisker because he's played so well already as a rookie that you know, another year, another offseason, you know, he's going to be a good deal for next year. You have Eddie Jackson, like you said. I, I think he's a guy that you keep around until his contract expires because he's definitely revitalized his play in this new system. I think it's a little bit more friendly for his skill set compared to how he was used the past couple of years. And I think he's also settled down a little bit. I think he's realized, you know, having a guy like Brisker has really helped him because we talk, we look at Eddie Jackson's career, um, you know, he, his two best seasons before he got paid were, um, well, I wouldn't say 2017 was one of his better years, but his his obviously his best year was 2018 where he was an all-pro. He had all those defensive touchdowns and all those interceptions, um, just a playmaker for that great Bears defense. And who was the safety next to him to kind of stabilize things in that secondary to kind of help him out? Adrian Amos, you know, a guy who's a sure tackler, a physical player in the secondary, but also had that flexibility when A. Jackson did play in the box a little bit um, to have those coverage chops to get back there and be a safety blanket for this defense. And Brisker really stylistically is a very similar player to Adrian Amos and the way he plays. And I think Eddie Jackson kind of feels that and has felt that throughout the season. And that has helped unlock his play, um, to get, kind of get him back to that next level playmaker that he's always been uh, throughout his career. So I think having a Joe Con Brisker has really helped a guy like Eddie Jackson kind of unlock what he is. And going into next year's, so let's say like the Bears do get, let's say, a veteran like Rocky Sin in there who's a solid player. You have Jalen Johnson. You have Kyler Gordon developing in a second year. You have another cornerback uh, that's viable at that second cornerback, outside cornerback position. Um, you have two safeties that you feel good about with Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker. You know, who's to say that the secondary can't be one of the better units in the NFL? I'm not going to say that they're going to be the Legion of Boom or anything, but uh, with this coaching staff, the way they've kind of maximized this group as a whole throughout the year with hopefully a better pass rush, I think the secondary, and I think you feel the same way you say it, is in a good spot um, in the near future to be a really solid unit and really the backbone of this defense moving forward. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this offseason, see what they do there, kind of add to this group. I think they could definitely look to add more talent in the draft, um, definitely in free agencies. That cornerback spot is going to be um, a spot they prioritize, I think. Um, but a lot of positive signs that we saw in this Eagles game for the secondary as a whole. And 
uh, that leads to uh, that's that gives us some flashes of good things to come from this unit moving forward. Um, speaking of good things to come, it's time to talk about probably the main story for a lot of Bears fans. If you're like me, uh, Bears fans, and you've been looking at these Bears games not only for what they are on Sundays, but also a long-term standpoint of what does do these games mean from a draft position standpoint. I kind of teased it earlier. The Bears are picking number two overall um, as it states right now. So if the Bears are to lose out for the remainder of the season, they would have the number two overall pick. Um Behind the Houston Texans, who are going to be number one. I, I'm assuming that the Houston Texans aren't going to win a game. If they do, probably like one more game for the remainder of the season. I, I highly doubt it. Um, but that brings us to the discussion to, of today as we talked a lot about, like, you know, what are some of the better options for the Bears if they do get a high draft pick? And so if they're at the number two overall pick, what are their options? We talked at him, I think, about, you know, do they stick at number two and take a defensive player like Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, who – both those guys would be great options. Um, maybe do they take offense with the wide receiver or an offensive tackle? Do they have to trade down? And I think today we're going to talk about specifically, you know, the trade down prospects of what it would mean for the Bears to trade down. So what we're going to do here is we're going to go through some teams that it would make sense um, to trade up with the Bears at that number two overall pick. Um, ideally, some teams that have multiple first round picks this year. And let's just start with an in-division rival here, you say, because I think the first team that makes sense to trade up to get to that number two spot is the Detroit Lions, who, you know, they have two first-round picks because of the Matthew Stafford trade. And actually, when you look at the Detroit Lions, they're picking number four because that pick right now is the pick they got from the Los Angeles Rams. So even though the Lions are on a roll right now, and it looks like they're going to be, you know, pushing for a playoff spot here over the next three weeks of the season – you know, they, they're still going to get a top pick because the Rams have just fallen apart this year. So the Lions, I think, are a really interesting team to kind of view as a trade partner because they've shown in the past that they're not afraid to trade in the division. They've traded uh, – they made some major deals in the, in the division uh, with Minnesota Vikings, not only on draft night tr- trading up for Jameson Williams, but also uh, trading T.J. Hawkinson to the Minnesota Vikings at the deadline. So um, – you know, when you look at the Lions here, you say, what are your kind of your thoughts on them as a viable trade candidate for that number two pick? Well, I think there's a lot that goes into it, right? And Detroit is, like you said, one of the most interesting teams on this board, simply because there's a report that came out a week and a half ago saying that the Lions do feel like Jared Goff is the guy going into 2023. When you look at Jared this year, watching him from afar, writing about the lines each week on my NFC North recaps. The reality of it, I think, is that he's been good, but he has not been elite by any means. He is a product of some of the solid coaching and talent around him. And when we, quite frankly, look at the way his contract structured, he's under contract for another two or three seasons. So it's not hard to see why the Lions believe he can be the guy moving forward. But if you're the general manager of Brad Holmes and you're the head coach, Dan Campbell, for you at some point, you have to ask yourself, Jared's been good, but he hasn't been great. We've got an offense that's got a pretty dynamic running game. It's got a pretty good passing offense, two solid wide receivers and Amon Ross St. Brown, as well as Jamison Williams. Now the question is, do we want to add a dynamic playmaker to help the offense really take 
another step forward and go from being talked about as a good offense to a great offense. Well, the way to do that is add a dynamic quarterback, right? And that's basically a playmaker like a CJ Stroud or a Bryce Young taking a chance on a Will Levis from Kentucky, who a lot of people believe has a similar skill set, but is not as dynamic or mobile as a guy like a Josh Allen or a Justin Fields coming out of college. And so Detroit's one of those teams where, again, they've got the fourth and 18th overall pick right now going into week 16. They're certainly a team that makes sense. And then you look at the handful of second and third round picks they're going to have, and you say, okay, you could cook something up there. Now, the one major thing that I think I understand is that would the Bears want to trade back with a division rival specifically for a quarterback, right? As someone who could kind of change the trajectory of the lines for years to come. If you're Detroit, you're kind of looking at this and saying, we're not trading up to number one overall, but maybe just maybe the Seahawks are a team that is willing to move back one spot and gain an extra first round pick in the draft process. Cause the Seahawks, let's be honest, they've been, Good this year, right? But they haven't exactly been elite by any means. They're still a middle of the pack team that's led by a veteran quarterback who was just named his Pro Bowl in his 10th or 11th NFL season. And quite frankly, I think three first round picks to the Seattle Seahawks sounds incredibly appealing. Yeah, I think there are three major things at play or three major factors at play when it comes to the Bears and Lions, you know, being potential trade partners for for in the draft here. Uh, if the Lions were, let's say, the season ends today, they had the number four pick because of the Rams and they want to move the two to jump the Seahawks uh, for a quarterback. So one, you know, what do the Lions feel? You kind of said it. What? How do the Lions feel about Jared Goff? Because you know, Jared Goff, he's always gotten a label of being a system quarterback. He's always been a product of what's been around him. And this year, the product of what's been around him has been very good. You know, their offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, I think he's one of the rising young stars in the NFL at offensive coordinator. He's going to be a head coaching candidate this upcoming offseason. Um, really, really dang good play caller. They have really good offensive line, even though they've had some injuries there throughout this year. Look at Panay Sewell is one of the best right tackles in football. Taylor Decker is a solid left tackle. Frank Ragnall is an elite player at center. You know, they, they try to figure out the right guard position because that's been a spot that's kind of had some volatility for them. But Joan Jackson at left guard has been pretty decent for them as well. So they have some players on the offensive line. And then you look at the weapons that they have with the Lions. Like I'm on Ross St. Brown. He's one of the uh, – most under the radar, most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. He's been really good in the slot for them. They have DJ Chark, who they gave a one-year deal. Uh, they had Hawkinson for a little while, but they traded him away, obviously. But you know, getting Jamison Williams back in the in the lineup, we saw him against that in the, against the Vikings, where um, that speed was on display, where he showed that off for a touchdown on his first reception in the NFL. So they have the weapons, uh, they have the offensive line, they have a good play caller for now, and Dan Campbell's done a good job. Um, with that offense as a whole, is kind of an offensive-minded head coach uh, to where you feel good about that unit moving forward. But is Jared Goff that guy to get you over the hump, or is he just a placeholder for you until you get that next young quarterback? And, you know, I think you look at Brad Holmes, the GM for the Lions, I think he's a smart guy. You know, when you look at the process, 
everything makes sense for what they've done since he took over, you know, tearing it all down, getting a bunch of draft picks, um, and then kind of rebuilding this roster with a lot of youth and, and tenacity, um, building through the trenches, trenches first, and then having Jared Goff as kind of that that bridge quarterback. None of this makes sense for what the Lions do, have done over the last two off seasons if they see Jared Goff as a long-term guy. If Jared Goff's their long-term guy, none of, of what they have done makes a lot of sense in the long run because ultimately – they are setting the table up to get a young quarterback in here to be their franchise quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years, not just the next three to four years. And Jared Goff, you know, he's had a nice year. He's had a bit of a bounce back performance this season after having some rough uh, goes in the previous couple of years, but he is not the long-term answer. I think he's been a product of what's been around him more so this year, rather than a guy that has elevated this offense. And if I'm the Lions, I strongly consider moving up in the draft to get a quarterback because I'm just not sure if if Jared Goff's the guy. Now, if Jared Goff leads us to the playoffs and they get a playoff win, maybe that changes some things. But if it goes how I think it's going to go, where they may get into the playoffs, but they may be a first round out, and we see Jared Goff's limitations in a playoff setting, I I think the Lions are going to be strongly considering going quarterback if they have the opportunity to trade up. Um, But that leads to the second factor here is, are the Bears going to be willing to trade up or trade with another team in the division, especially when you know that they're going to be getting a quarterback in that scenario. If that's going to be the case, then you got to get a heck of a lot of draft capital uh, to make it worth it then, because there's, there's almost got to be kind of that, you know, in division tax, so to speak, where, yeah, like all the charts are saying this, this, and this, but because we're in the same division as you, you got to pay up a little bit and just give some, our listeners a little bit of uh, background into, you know, what it would take, for the Lions to trade up from a draft chart standpoint. Like I'm looking at the Jimmy Johnson chart right now, which is kind of the standard chart that a lot of teams use right now. There are, if you think about it, 600 draft score points, I guess you could call it between the the Lions at four and the bears at number two overall. So what that means from a a draft pick equivalent standpoint is that uh, the Lions would have to give up essentially essentially here a second round pick and a third round pick uh, to kind of make that equal from a draft chart standpoint, there have to be maybe some swaps here and there to kind of make it equal, so to speak. But if I'm the bears, I'm not settling for just a second and a third. If it's the lines moving up there, I want like, you got to give me one of your first in the future or this year. Uh, you got to give me multiple second round picks uh, over multiple years. Like you got to up the ante a little bit. If you're going to make this trade with me in the division here, to make that all work. Um, the closest thing that we've seen from a pick from four to two is actually from the bears. And when they traded for Mitchell Trubisky, they went from three to two. They gave up multiple third round picks to make that trade. They gave up a fourth round pick to make that trade. No first round picks, but again, I'm looking at that kind of framework right there. And the Lions have to add more to that in order to make that happen. Uh, the third factor here is what the Seattle Seahawks want to do because if the Seattle Seahawks make it known that they don't want a quarterback because they're building around Geno Smith, then the Lions have less incentive then to kind of trade up for a quarterback in that scenario, I think. Um, but you never know. Um, so that's kind of the third factor here. Uh, let's move on to some other teams that, though, that could be interesting uh, trade partners for the Bears. I think the next one that kind of intrigues me a little bit is the Indianapolis Colts because um, are right now are slated to pick six in the upcoming draft. They clearly need to get a, the quarterback position – Filled out, uh, figured out because Matt Ryan, we know he isn't the guy. I don't even know if Matt Ryan's going to be in the NFL next year. He's probably going to retire this offseason. Like he's, 
He's done. Uh, the Colts have tried the trade market for a veteran quarterback over the last two off seasons, and it just it hasn't worked for them. They're going nowhere. They're a sinking ship right now. They need to get a young quarterback. I think they're going to be one of the more desperate teams in the NFL in terms of trading up for one of these guys. What do you think? Well, I really think it depends on what Chris Ballard's thinking. When you look at what the Colts are overall, and I tweeted this on December 4th, and I brought it up again today when the news broke that Nick Foles was going to be starting over Matt Ryan. I said, I'm like, Chris Ballard severely mishandled the quarterback position in Indianapolis. He probably ended up being the fall guy because there is an erratic owner. But you know what? Jim Ursay was not the one who was pushing to trade for Carson Wentz and draft Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger and Nick Foles and Jacoby Brissett and whatever else the Colts even trotted out at quarterback this year. When you look at Indianapolis overall, it's very clear they're four and nine. They're not really going anywhere. They don't have a lot to play for this season outside of draft positioning. And so it just makes sense that you go ahead and you take a quarterback this year. On paper, a quarterback looks attractive. They do have the supporting cast with running back Jonathan Taylor, as well as wide receiver Michael Pittman to go ahead and build around that quarterback. But the one major question I think you have is this is what's going to happen with the head coach there? Because if you go ahead and decide to retain Jeff Saturday for another year in 2023, it's going to be no doubt in my mind, the Colts are going to play around with Jeff Saturday for three to four years. And they are going to draft a quarterback to give him someone to kind of go ahead and work with. But if not, and you hit the complete reset button, it's going to be a new general manager, a new head coach, and the new regime may not want to take a quarterback right away simply because of the way that they view it as QB right now is attractive, but we feel like there's a lot of other needs or a handful of other needs that we have to go ahead and get filled out. And, I don't think Ballard sitting at sixth overall. What makes the Colts such a big wild card is that Ballard's never really been known to be a general manager who's going to trade up and who's going to get aggressive in the NFL draft for capital. He's kind of always willing to let the board fall to him, but GMs act out of desperation all the time. That's number one. And number two, I think when you look at Chris, you realize for your own job security too, because he's not going to make a decision for his own job security. But at the end of the day, you do have a bit more job security. If you go ahead and you go to Jim Irsay and you say, hey, you know what? We have this dynamic young quarterback. Let's see what he can do. I brought him in here. But it's going to be a matter of can you also figure the head coach out? And can my head coach that you put in place, Jeff Saturday, work with this young quarterback? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, you're talking about the Colts being a wild card here. You brought up the ultimate wild card, and that's Jim Mersey. He's the ultimate wild card here in this situation because he's – I mean, look at what he's done this entire season. Like, he's been the ultimate wild card throughout the year. Uh, when you look at the way he handled the Frank Reich situation where, you know, obviously Matt Ryan isn't working, but he goes to Frank Reich and says, okay, well, you can't start Matt Ryan anymore. We want to tank for a quarterback, so you have to start Sam Ellinger. And then after two games, he fires Frank Reich for whatever reason, and he hires Jeff Saturday for to be the interim head coach out of the blue you know, completely out of nowhere. Um, it's one of those baffling hires we've ever seen for an interim head coaching got job in NFL history. Um, and in order to justify that, he's like, okay, Jeff, you can start Matt Ryan again, even though we just committed to tanking with uh, Sam Ellinger for a quarterback here. But we're not going to do that anymore, Jeff, Saturday, because I want to prove that, you know, my hiring review was right. So I'm going to give you the chance to win with Matt Ryan again. And now they're benching Matt Ryan again when it's clear that, obviously, that he just he's not the same guy. He's cooked. He doesn't have it anymore. So Jim Irsay is the ultimate wild card. So if he goes to Chris Ballard, let's say he, he keeps Chris Ballard, and it's, it's possible that Chris Ballard could be fired in this offseason. Again, we don't know because we don't know what Irsay is going to be thinking here uh, throughout this entire process. But if, if Ballard's – whoever's the GM there, you know, Irsay, he may have a directive to the next GM or Chris Ballard if he's still there that, hey, we're going to be training up for a quarterback. I want you doing whatever you within your – to go up and get one of these guys um, at the top of the draft here. Whatever you have to do, whatever draft pick, whatever player you have to trade in that scenario, go ahead and do it. And I think, you know, the Colts, you look at where they're at, they're number six overall. There is historical presence for desperate franchises trading up from six to two in recent memory here and getting a boatload of picks in the process. I look at the Washington Commanders, the Washington football team, um, and their situation in 2012 when they traded up for Robert Griffin III. Uh, You look at what Washington sent in that trade. They gave up not only, of course, that number six overall pick to move up to number two, they gave up a second-round pick that year and two future first-round picks uh, to the Los Angeles Rams to to just move up from number six to number two. So if you're the Bears and you're seeing that situation, let's say the Colts are offering that that on the table right there to move up from six to two like that's a deal that is very enticing to me uh to make that trade in terms of a draft chart standpoint the jimmy johnson chart has it where um there is about a i don't know 1200 draft score kind of difference between there so yeah you're looking at multiple first round picks to kind of move up there you're looking at multiple day two picks uh you know, if the Bears are going to make that move down, uh, that's what I'd be try- trying to get from the Colts there. Multiple first-round picks in the future, a second-round pick or two. Um, just give us all your draft picks, you know, kind of go off of their desperation there to make that work. And I think, you know, the Colts are very intriguing from that standpoint because I think they are going to be desperate uh, to get a quarterback. And another team that I think is going to be desperate where we have some precedents if they stay at that draft position right now, the Carolina Panthers this is the last thing we're going to talk about here before we kind of wrap this up. 
uh, previewing this Bill game, Bills game. But the Carolina Panthers, uh, you look at where they're at right now. Obviously, we know that Sam Darnold is not the guy. They just cut uh, Baker Mayfield after trading for him. Um, they're a rudder- rudderless ship right now. And they, they've gone a little bit of rebuild mode, trading away Christian McCaffrey for some draft capital. You look at their draft pick situation this next upcoming season. Right now, they're slated to have the number eight overall pick. They have their own first round pick. They got two second round, rounders because of the San Francisco 49ers trade for Christian McCaffrey. They got a third round pick from the San Francisco 49ers. They have two fourth round picks in this upcoming draft. Um, the Carolina Panthers are a very interesting team because there is historical precedence for teams moving up from eight to two to get a quarterback. But, you know, what are your thoughts on the Panthers as a viable candidate to move up for a quarterback? Do you think that would be a realistic option for the Bears? I think, yes, 110%. The Carolina Panthers are a realistic option. The interim head coach there, Steve Wilkes, he's kind of proving, and again, he's a defensive-minded guy, right? But he is trying to prove to ownership, hey, listen, I deserve a second chance at a head coaching gig because he was head coach of the Cardinals for a year when they drafted, ironically, another quarterback from the 2018 class in Josh Rosen. So you, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that Steve Wilkes has intel on Mayfield, Darnold, as well as guys like Josh Rosen. But the reality of all this comes down to the fact that you know, you're you're in a situation if you're the Panthers. You've kind of spent heavily on defense over the last couple of years, drafting cornerback J.C. Horn as well as pass rusher Brian Burns. Those guys are really building blocks for you. You've got safety Jeremy Chin as well on the back end. And so now it really becomes a question of, hey, have we invested enough in the quarterback position and just in the offense in general? You traded away Chris Christian McCaffrey halfway through this season. You've got DJ Moore there, who a lot of people believe is a true number one wide receiver in the NFL. I like to think Moore is more of a 1B than legitimately a 1A because he isn't in the same tier as a player like an A.J. Brown or a Justin Jefferson. He just doesn't have that dynamic game-breaking ability, but nonetheless, he's serviceable. If you're Carolina, you're looking at this and saying, this might just represent our best chance to find a quarterback because there are talk about teams waiting until Drake Maia and Caleb Williams in 2024. The reality is if you're a team like Indianapolis, Carolina, even Detroit, you can't afford to necessarily wait a year simply because you don't know how the board is going to look. Because when you wait and you bank on others in this league, your plans could be pushed from what seems like a one-year plan to a two- or three-year plan, right? And so for Carolina almost, I mean, you could make a serious argument right now of all the teams picking in the top 10, from Houston all the way down to the Las Vegas Raiders. The reality is that the Panthers are the most quarterback-needy team because when we get to the middle to the end of that top 10, like, You've got Arizona. Okay, they've got their quarterback. They recommitted to Kyler Murray for about five years. You've got the Indianapolis Colts, who we already discussed. The Atlanta Falcons have Desmond Ritter. Well, we haven't really seen enough of him. We'll need a full season to evaluate him. The Eagles at ninth overall. Well, they've got Jalen Hurts. And then you've got the Raiders, who have Derek Carr. And they kind of reinvested in Derek Carr by trading and extending Devontae Adams. So the Panthers are the team. They moving down six spots and giving up 
moving up six spots with the Bears moving down the six spots and giving up a future first-round pick makes sense because you might as well kickstart what is expected to be a two- to three-year rebuild. Yeah, I mean, the Panthers, you talk about all those teams in that mix. I think the Falcons are the other team. They're in the same division as the Panthers that could be vying for uh, that moving up for a quarterback as well because I don't think they're sold on Mariota. I don't think they're sold on Ritter as long-term options. Uh, they're going to be you know, quarterback needy as well, and we know <laughs> Ryan Pace is in that front office, so we know that Ryan Pace loves himself some trade-ups. So um, that could be another option. But, you know, sticking with the Panthers here, um, I bring them up because there is a strong presence from teams moving up from eight to two uh, to move up for a quarterback in the draft. And we saw that with the Eagles when they moved up for Carson Wentz in 2016. I uh, look at what they did moving from eight to two. They gave up a third and a fourth round pick that seat, uh, that draft in 2016. They gave up a future first round pick, a future second round pick as well. Uh, so, you look at what the Panthers would have to give up uh, from a draft chart standpoint. You get the Jimmy Johnson draft card. I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up one more time. Um, once again, it's about, you know, 1200 uh, draft points to move up there. So again, you're looking at multiple first round picks, maybe, uh, or maybe a future first round pick and multiple second round picks like the Panthers. They have multiple second round picks in this upcoming draft. So would they be willing to give up both their second round picks and maybe a future first round pick with like a pick swap or something like that um, to make that investment to move up for a quarterback? Because you look at their roster, they have some talent on defense. They have Brian Burns. Uh, you know, they have DJ Moore at wide receiver. Like you said, they have a pretty solid offensive line. I think for the most part, like Taylor Morton's one of the better right tackles in the NFL. They just drafted Ike McQuanu. Um, they could legitimately see themselves as, okay, the division right now in the NFC South is weak. Like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're probably – they look like they're just about done um, once Tom Brady moves on and retires next year. Uh, you look at the Atlanta Falcons, they're still rebuilding. The Saints are <laughs> – the Saints are a whole other issue. Like they, they, they are looking at a really bleak future right now. Um, like the Panthers could see it where if they get that next young quarterback, they could see themselves as the next team – to kind of take control of that division. Um, so I think they, they are going to be very desperate, I think, to move up for a quarterback, and especially because Scott Fritterer, he had the opportunity to trade Brian Burns for a haul of draft picks from the Los Angeles Rams at the trade deadline, and he didn't do it. That kind of tells me that he still isn't secure his in his uh, job security, and you know he's going to feel the heat from owner uh, David Tepper to kind of, you know, get a quarterback here. Cause they've tried the trade market. They tried the veteran route. Like I think right now their next step is, you know, to try and move up for a quarterback and see if they can get their guy. Uh, so without further ado, let's, let's wrap up this podcast by previewing this upcoming bears and bills game. We're going to do a full preview for this one. We're just going to give our prediction and our X factor for this one, since we are running a little bit low on time here. Um, so you say, I'm going to start with you. What's your prediction for this game and who's your X factor for this matchup against the Bills? Yeah, for me, I think the Bears are going to end up losing this game 28 to 19. It's interesting. The Bears have only been blown out twice this season against the Cowboys and Packers. They've managed to kind of hang on against some of the NFL's better teams, and they've been in every single game. But ultimately, I think if you're the Bills, like at this point, you have your sights set on just locking up home field advantage throughout the playoffs, making sure the AFC runs through Orchard Park, and just kind of winning against another easy team. And for the record, I think the X factor in this game is 
going to once again be the Bears' pass protection. The Bills lost Von Miller to a torn ACL on Thanksgiving, but they surprisingly still have one of the best front sevens in the NFL. Ed Oliver, the defensive tackle, former first-round pick, you know, one of my personal favorite players to watch. He's become one of the faces of that front seven. So the question is, can the Bears' O-line hold up against what is going to be another really good front seven? And I picked the O-line and the pass protection specifically because Tevin Jenkins was designated as do not practice on Thursday. Cody Whitehair supposedly has a serious knee injury. And so we could be in a situation where Braxton Jones and Sam Mustafer are the only regular starters. The Bears are trotting out on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think the offensive line is definitely going to be the uh, the X factor in this one as well. Like you said, like Tevin Jenkins, he's going to be out. Hair uh, looking like, like he's going to be out. Like what are they going to do with this rotation is – I'm assuming Schofield's going to start right guard. Um, I'm not sure who's going to start left guard. Like, this Alex Leatherwood player? Like, Leatherwood like, was brutal when he got in there against the Eagles. Like, did not look good at right tackle whatsoever. So, I almost wonder if maybe he's trying to see what you have in Jatiri uh, Carter, the rookie six-round pick. Um, I wonder if that would even be a better option throwing Leatherwood in there because we know what Leatherwood is, is in you know, he's not, he's not great. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what they do with the offensive line rotation there and what they, what, what they decide to do. Um, as for my prediction, I think, you know, I think the bills are going to just walk into soldier field and, and crush them in this one. You know, the weather may play a bit of a role in this one. If it, cause we're supposed to get a snow apparently over the next few days. So if the weather is as bad as it could be, like, I, you know, the Bills are almost built for bad weather games, though, because they have Josh Allen, who's a freak anyway. So I don't know if it's an equalizer or anything like that. But, yeah, I, I think the Bills are going to win this one. I'm going to go with the score of 35 to 17 in my prediction for this one. Um, so that's going to wrap it up for us here at the Bearport at the Picks for Polls podcast presented by the Bearport and Blue Wire Pods. Uh, make sure to like, rate, subscribe to to us at the Blue Wire for and really all of our podcasting platforms in in, in, in total. Um, make sure to follow us on social media as well. You can follow us on Twitter at Picks for Polls, uh, getting a lot of our updates, uh, especially as we get into the draft season and uh, the regular season starts to come to a close here for uh, the Bears. Uh, for all the listeners out there, you say, where can they follow you on social media and find your work? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on social media at Usaid Koshal. You can check out my work on the Bear Report. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to give uh, Usaid a follow there and, and check out his work on the Bear Report as well. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Freeman 25 You can find my work on the Bear Report. Make sure to keep an eye out for my track at the Tractor Series on the Bear Report where I break down offensive line and defensive line play. I'll also be doing some articles, as I mentioned before, on some contract extensions for upcoming uh, 2020 class guys that are entering their uh, fourth season next year. Uh, so definitely keep an eye out for that over the next few weeks. But uh, without further ado, uh, for those who celebrate it, uh, Christmas is around the corner this weekend. The Bears are going to be playing on Christmas Eve. So for all of those who celebrate, have a Merry Christmas. And for all of our other listeners out there, uh, happy holidays to you as well. Uh, it's going to be definitely a great fan. And for me, as I can spend time with friends and family, I'm really looking forward to it. So for all those out there, make sure you stay safe for those in the Chicago area because we might be getting that snowstorm coming through. And really throughout this holiday weekend, uh, just have a fantastic weekend. Have a fantastic holiday season. And we look forward to uh, seeing you guys next week. So without further ado, have a good weekend, Bears fans, and bear down.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.